Hey, Hound Dogs, I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And welcome to On the Air with Power Squared. Uh, this week we have a, a illustrator, a comic book uh, writer, Steve Laffler on the show. Hi, Steve. Hello, how are you guys doing tonight? Great. Pretty good, pretty good. So you're up, in, right. you're up in Santa Rosa? Yeah, yeah. Uh, sitting here uh, about an hour north of San Francisco. And uh, yeah, you know, kind of a pretty uh just mellow place and not bad to have a place to do comics yeah we have uh <laughs> we actually have my wife's family has is up in santa rosa and sebastopol so oh okay yeah so you had a bunch yeah, of so i like it i like it up here i lived in oakland uh you know prior i lived in oakland for 20 years and you know i love oakland too but uh you know it's kind of like a i don't know used to be less traffic here <laughs> <laughs> um did you i i know you had a a lot of rain a few weeks ago were you guys affected by that yeah no i mean it was we were affected by it in the sense that it effectively ends the fire season and the worry of uh, yeah. uh the bad air here's 2017 through 2020 we uh we we took off we 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 weren't officially evacuated but we'd go uh get clear of the fires for a few days all mm. of those years mm. okay you kind of uh, broke up there a little. Um, so um, you actually uh, answered our call looking for guests, which we appreciate. Yeah. Um, so I hope you're. Uh, hope this works out for everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, so tell us about yourself. I know you've been doing this for a long time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been at it for a while. You know, um, so. Yeah, I just published a, a graphic, I guess I'll, I'll call it a graphic novella. It's a 72-page book called 1956 Movie Star. And uh, the whole idea here, it's um, set in the mid-50s in Manhattan. And uh, it's kind of in some ways an homage to uh, my dad, who uh, the beginning of his career uh, was, was kind of set there. Parts of his career was set there. And so uh, it's fiction. It's not really my dad's story, but you know, it, it's kind of like a nod to him. <laughs> was '56 an important year for him, or? Yeah, that was the year where he was uh, promoted to the job. He was a young guy. He was probably like 29. He became the chief buyer of a small chain of uh, upstate department stores, and as uh, as he told me, you know, when I was old enough to understand. In 1956, that was his first job where he made $10,000 a year. And if you made that much in, in that, at that time, you were kind of like a made man. You would be able to afford a house, you know, support your family, buy, buy a car, maybe two. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. different, you know, different days economically and sociologically, everything. But anyway, so that was the, the mark he made that year. And, uh, okay. You know, a year before I was born, actually. And he was. You're, you're, you broke up there. What'd you say? It was the year before. Yeah. Okay. That was um. Yeah. The 1956 was the year that you know he he hit the 10k in income mark. So that was a, a big deal to him. Okay. Um. You uh, in the story, I believe you. Yeah. I have not read it yet. I did subscribe to your uh, back your Kickstarter, but uh, yeah. you talk about a trans model. 
Yeah, there's a character in there called Ramona, Ramona Lopez. And uh, so this is a character who uh, their dream is to be a model and an actress. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like a trans woman. Uh, the idea is they're a Latina or well, a Latino person from Texas, Ramon, who goes to New York City and he's Ramona. Uh, he falls into he it's hard to get, you know, get into the modeling or the acting business. So uh, he ends up falling to being a kind of like a slightly high end hooker. And so that's part of the world that this is set in. Um, then there's uh, the jazz clubs in Midtown Manhattan in the 1950s. You have people like Miles Davis and uh, John Coltrane uh, and other like incredible musicians, not only from bebop, but other parts of jazz playing nightly. And this is like the heart, part of the heart of the musical culture of the 50s. That's what the book is about too. Okay. Then you have these people who are buyers for a chain of department stores who come in, they interact with all these characters. And so, you know, it's about their relationships, their dynamics, their dreams really, and how they are trying to achieve them. And, uh, yeah, I throw in a couple bad guys, mix it up a little bit. Yeah, something, yeah. Uh, so is, is Ramona the one of the, is the main character or a, just a character in the book? Now, the first one was like uh, maybe like a little over between 60 and 70 pages. This one's a little longer. So Ramona was the main character of the first part of the story. You see the you meet the characters and you see the settings through the lens of of an evening on the town and maybe the next couple of days, mainly through the lens of Ramona. Okay. Uh, and then um, the second one, uh, it's narrowed down to Ramona, Ramona's uh, girlfriend, Nikki, uh, who is another, Nikki's a writer who was also on the streets. So, okay. you know, that's my part of my conceit about it. But Nikki's, Nikki's actually, a, I guess what you would call a cis woman, you know, a, a born a woman. Right. Um, and then there's... Uh, Jack. Jack is a buyer for McCurdy's department store, which is kind of the stand-in for my character, the avatar for my dad. And then there's uh, Susie, who's another buyer, who his rival, but they kind of kind of got the hots for each other. Mm -hmm. And um, those are the four main characters. Then there's a there's you know there's a second echelon of characters that are you know have important parts but they're not the people I'm really focused on you know I, I'm it's tempting to me to like really flesh out the backstories a little bit more but you know I want to move the plot forward a little bit so I focus on those four right now just to bring it back to us um, 1956 is the year this university that we've made up is founded it was 1956 yeah, I know I know I was uh, I was checking that out. Uh, yeah, I was, you know, I've been spying on you guys here. And here for days, so. But I'm looking at it. I'm like going like, this is this is like uh, their own college. You know, community college is a cool institution. I mean, we live like uh, about 
five blocks from Santa Rosa Community College. Right. You know, it's cool. <laughs> well, we just thought it was sort of a, kind of a nice middle place to sort of start a story, not necessarily have for your school. Well, it fits like in with the characters. I like how you uh, you weave it into your kind of like the profile of your your characters in your book, and you know, and obviously it's like the world you create part of marketing. So, you know, it gives like an added dimension to to what you're doing really nicely. Well, thanks. Um, now, speaking of college, you did you went to the UMass Amherst. Yeah, I went to UMass Amherst back in the dawn of prehistory. Uh, <laughs> from uh, back before television, I got out of there, yeah. and uh, I got out of there in December of '79. But um, what I did there, I mean, I was an art student. You know, I got a, a bachelor of fine art, which you know that and uh, whatever back then, that in the buck gets you a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I, I did a daily strip for the Massachusetts Daily Collegian called Aluminum Foil. The conceit of that is that Gerald is a foil head. He just has a foil hat over his head all the time with a little eye hole in it. And uh, his best friend is named Benba, who is like kind of like a big fat scarecrow who always wears a tie. And he doesn't have eyes. He has holes in his head. <laughs> and uh, he just has always smiling in it, but his mouth is stitched shut because he's a scarecrow. And I mean, I don't, I'm not quite sure where all that came from, but it, you know, it definitely was there in a strong way. And um, it was it was great fun. I mean, I the, the paper uh, went out to twenty thousand a day, and I had it a daily strip for four years, and uh, so I kind of like um, that's what I really did in college. And I maybe I phoned in my coursework a little bit for my degree. You know, I mean, I did it. I did a good enough <laughs> job. <laughs> did you, you want to uh, do a daily comic when you got out, or had you had your fill? Well, I. I would have been happy to do any kind of comic when I got out, a daily uh, comic books. I mean, I grew up kind of being a Marvel geek, and then I got into the undergrounds. But, uh, you know, uh, in 1979, 1980, the comic industry was at a kind of a low point, and the daily strips uh, were very hard to break into. And I had had no editor for four years, except, you know, they'd, they'd tell me, you know, could you correct your spelling, please? And you know, which is good. <laughs> uh, but um, I, I was spoiled rotten. You know, I was not about to like start kowtowing to an editor. So um, uh, I, I sent pages. I, I, I submitted some strip samples to the syndicates. I sent some pages to Marvel and to DC. But you know, I, I knew I wasn't going to be a superhero. I wanted to be a. I wanted to draw Spider-Man when I was twelve, but you know, not when I was like uh, eighteen. I just wanted to draw whatever I felt like. So, and then so um, the bargains I made with myself was one: I would publish my own books, which I began doing pretty straight, much straight away. And also, uh, I knew how to screen print, so I'm like, well, I got to support myself. So I started a. Uh, I started a wholesale t-shirt printing business and it turns out that was a good time to start that type of business and uh, over the years I, I built it up to be kind of a fire breathing monster and I had a shop and I had printers working for me and stuff and, you know it was, it was cool it was great fun I had some great clients I had this uh, obscure band called the residents who were really wild uh -huh. and I, I had them for nine years I did Margaret Cho the comedian did her stuff for years and at um, Apple I did and Sony Music and 
had a, had the Epic and um, Columbia record labels and maybe wow. what, what another one, I forget, OK Records. So I got to do tons of shirts and that was fun and it was fun to have my own position of needing to carve out time for comics. Right. Uh, I did, there were times where I got enough comics uh, sales going to do it full time. Um, and I'd kind of like step back from the commercial work. And then there's other times where, you know, I mean, the sales would go up, the sales would go down. So, I mean, they, 1986, uh, there was a huge black and white boom and they went up, you know, so I was selling a, a, a ton of books then, but you know, boy, it just crashed really hard, really fast. So it came, it came mostly back down to earth, uh, straight away. And, you know, it had a nice, nice enough level, but not, not like the, like, you know, paying every bill. Level. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, so when you were doing this t-shirts, were you actually doing the designs or were you just? Yeah, sure. I mean, I did, a, I've, I've designed a million t-shirts, but, um, most of these, like, you know, like, uh, Margaret Cho, I'll give you an example, uh, mostly supplied her own designs. She had some great designers and great ideas. And when I first got uh, hooked up with her, uh, Adrian Tomine, who was uh, a you know, very, very well-known uh, graphic artist and cartoonist, uh, I knew Adrian back in Berkeley when he was still a college student. And um, uh, he, he was around, you know, a lot of cartoonists around the East Bay then. and. Um, so uh, Adrian just goes, hey, you know, Cho needs a shirt. You want to do the printing? Because he had done a design. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So that's a typical way. Like the residents, they always did their own designs. Uh, the singer is this guy. They're supposed to have secret identities, and they wear those giant eyeballs over their head. But uh, the, the guy, it's Homer Flynn. This, uh, now, yeah, I think you're from Texas. He's from Texas. No, I'm right. Homer, Homer Flynn. But um, he's an incredible designer. I mean, the guy's just everything he touches he's brilliant you know he's he's a real wise guy and funny and like very dark he's brilliant okay um so in looking at your profile on your website oh, i lost you yeah you talk about the bug house trilogy yeah yeah well that was um yeah, I had this all through the 80s. I was working on a character called Dog Boy. And in the 90s, uh, I came up with, um, I knew for a while I wanted to do something involving bugs playing jazz. Uh, because that's such a uh, classic kind of thing. Uh, when I was a little kid in the like, uh, I mean, I was born in 57. So by the time I'm three, four, five years old, I noticed there's a lot of TVs I mean, a lot of TV, a lot of uh, old cartoons on, on television. Right. And, uh, and a lot of them are really old. They're from the 30s and 40s and 50s. You get your Disney. Barbara was coming into their own then. But uh, the thing that really fired my imagination was uh, Max Fleischer's uh, cartooning. And he seemed to have a lot of bugs. And there would be a lot of, you know, they were made in the 30s. The soundtrack is uh -huh. swing jazz. And. You know, almost everything the bugs do in these cartoons, uh, they'd just be dancing, they'd be bopping along, and and a lot of times they wouldn't so much have dialogue. They they'd, they'd kind of rap over the uh, the swing jazz. So I mean, it's 
it's pretty cool stuff. You know, they're doing, just doing talking blues over, and you know, that, I saw that when I was a little guy, and I'm like, that's what I want to do. I mean, it's pro I probably thought that's where I want to go. You know, I thought I kind of, you know, maybe I started watching as a three or four, kind of thought I could go into the TV and hang out with the bugs. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's not too surprising that I ended up wanting to draw bugs playing uh, jazz music. <laughs> Although they're all about bebop, you know, in the like period of the late forties and early fifties rather than swing. We, uh, I want to say earlier this year, or was it last year, watched the Max Fleischer Superman. Like last year? Last year we watched the, uh, the whole series of the Supermans that Max Fleischer did. Yeah, 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 those those are really good. We really enjoyed. Yeah, that. I've seen I've seen those. God, it's been a long time. I I probably saw a reel of those when I was in college. They put a lot of like uh, interesting film and video stuff up at, at UMass. Of course, right. back then I guess it's mostly mostly film. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you had uh, Dog oh. Boy. You said. Yeah, yeah. During the eighties, uh, I did. Uh, I started publishing. Uh, under the imprint Cathead Comics. And uh, Dog Boy, I created in 1982, and I did uh, in a comic book called Guts Number no. 3. And uh, I liked the character. He's basically like, you know, I was like 24, 25. It was basically me, only with a big golden retriever. And I was doing kind of improvisational stuff. Uh, so Dog Boy was just like, <laughs> A big doofus with a dog head running around, basically. But um, <laughs> so I did, <laughs> yeah, I did like uh, seven issues under Cathead Comics, and then uh, I got uh, Gary Groth interested. Uh, Fanographics picked it up, and I worked mostly with Kim Thompson, and a, then a, a series of swashbuckling uh, uh, assistant editors, and uh, we did ten issues and. It was great, you know. At first, the first one sold uh, like 10,500, 10,600 wow. copies, so that was yeah. great. And then, you know, by the by the issue number ten, we were down around. Um, I think it dipped under two thousand. You know, it was like the the graph looks kind of like this. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, they they hung in there pretty good with. It. But then after that, able to sustain it financially, so I went back to publishing myself, and. Um, yeah, I got into doing Bug House. Uh, had an anthology starting in 1990 called Buzzard, and uh, published all different cartoonists in that. It ran 20 issues from 1990 to 1990. Artists in there, uh, James Kolchaka was in there, and uh, Lloyd Dangle. I don't know, all kinds of. Phoebe Gleckner was, was part of it. Yeah, a lot of people, yeah. Hmm. But I started Bug House in there, and then I'm like, oh, this needs its own book. And uh, I did Bug House through the 90s. The whole idea part was, um, I, I really was excited about the uh, jazz transformed from swing to bebop, and I, I studied the history of that, and then I presented my fictional version of it with bugs, <laughs> you know, based on character guys like Charlie Parker, Miles Davis, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, Sonny Rollins, uh, Ornick Coleman, so many others. So uh, you you were using you weren't using those real people as bugs. You were just using kind of their stories. Yeah, yeah. I stole little bits from all their lives and, <laughs> and stuck it in there. And you know, um, it's it's a great story of how how the music evolves. 
And, um, you know, then there's the whole thing of a band wanting to make it. It's always interesting. I always, I'm always more interested in how someone gets, gets somewhere kind of cool rather than what they do once they're there. Yeah. The journey's more uh, exciting. Yeah. And it, yeah. And it's also, uh, it's about addiction. You know, so many of the greats in jazz, rock, whatever, I mean, they, the addiction can be such a thing in the music world. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and at the time, you know, I was in my early 30s when I was doing that work. At the time, I was knocking down like way too much beer, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm gonna draw the draw a story of like addiction and explain to myself, you know, how you can like uh, kind of like get out of this, <laughs> which uh, which I did. So that was good. Oh, good for you. Uh, yeah, a lot of work, but you know. <laughs> do you have a, a a favorite project that you worked on? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I guess gee, I like them all to varying degrees. Yeah, it's like your children. Maybe, you know, <laughs> you know they're, they're different. I mean, I I love Bug House and and then in many ways it's a very much a developmental work. And uh, Bug Bug House is more of a you know a mature piece of work. So the and there's three Bug House graphic novels. The first one. The first couple hundred pages of it, I think, maybe is some of my best work. You know, I mean, you you had mentioned earlier that uh, you you're looking at a deal possibly to package up the first five issues of your book, and sometimes you look back at your early work and you're like, ah, yeah. You know, I can I can look at um, I can look at like Dog Boy pages I did in the '80s. I'm just like, I'm like, I just want to like buy up all the copies and bury them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I'll tell you, you know, later later that night, you know, maybe uh, maybe I have a glass of wine or, you know, a little token. I look at it and I'm just like, whoa, man, how did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're, see, we're not the artists, so we have to, it's, you know, we can't just redraw it. It would be a major investment for us. But yeah, we're, we yeah. look back at the first ish, five issues and go, wow. You know, this is not what we wanted it to look like, and but you know, it's okay. It's okay. On. You gotta, you gotta start somewhere. The important thing True. is, uh, you know, you want to make comics, then you make comics. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and you get better at it as you go along. And we think we have actually gotten better at it. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. it does work out that way. Again, it's the readers that we need to bring in, but you know. Um, yeah. Have you done any conventions? comic book conventions or yeah yeah <laughs> I haven't been to one for a while but you know I, I also I lived in uh, Mexico for 10 years my wife and kids and I we went down to uh, Oaxaca and we lived there for uh, from 2007 to almost 2017 so so it's been a while but uh, yeah I, f I first went to San Diego in uh, 83 and uh, made some J.R. Williams, who's a cartoonist and painter in Portland, and uh, R.L. Crabb, uh, he's in Nevada City, and Leslie Sternberg, a great artist who since has passed away. Um, yeah, and um, I don't know, you know, I, when I, I, saw, I, I was going to San Diego almost every year for, I guess, 20 years or so, and had a lot of fun, sold a lot of books, made a lot of friends, you know, made some publishing deals, um, and uh, I kind of like, you know, there was the alt emerging alternative crowd that would include like 
Fantagraphics guys like Jaime and Gilbert Hernandez and Pete Bag and Dan Close and Carol Lay and uh, you know many others, but those guys were all around, and you know I'd, I'd hang out with them and uh, many other people, uh, and uh, you know we'd stay up practically all night and <laughs> just have way too much fun. Uh, that was always a part of it for you know whatever, quote unquote. I guess the old-fashioned term would be that's that's the salad days, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I haven't been back to San Diego for a while. Yeah, well, we we've been going the last thirteen years or something, but the last two have been virtual. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, and and we got to be because we publish a comic book, got to be professional, so we don't have to, you know, we can get that's tickets right. easier and stuff. Yeah, that's really that's the one yeah, that's benefit cool. so far. <laughs> uh, so far. Um, so you just recently had a, a Kickstarter for yes. 1956 Movie Star. Uh, did you have a favorite? Yeah. Uh, I always like to ask people: have do you have a favorite tier, or you know? I yeah. Guess well, that's I call it. you know. I like. I always like to offer the most basic thing of just getting the book digitally or in print. Mm -hmm. So that's important, and that's like the the getting the uh, print a copy of the. Um, for me, you know, it's a pretty modest Kickstarter, but uh, um, I also like one one thing I like a lot too is there's doing a getting the book, and it's a six by nine inch trade paperback. So I do these little. I'll, I'll grab one. Seems mm -hmm. like I notice when I move around a lot, uh, like I kind of freeze the thing up. So I'll just try to like grab these drawings and then stop moving okay. so much. All right, but hold on. Okay, here's an example. Uh, there's a tier where I do all these like five by eight drawings. Um, and so people get a five by eight, like brush and ink drawing mm -hmm. and a book, uh, this time for $49. And uh, I feel like it's a pretty good value. And uh, I really enjoy uh, drawing something that I think people will, you know, get a, either a kick out of or a laugh out of. And they'll, you know, get a nice little piece of artwork they can, like, you know, Put in there like uh, some cloud broom closet or something, <laughs> whatever they want to do. Uh, and, <laughs> getting original yeah. artwork is then, uh, special. Yeah, that's a that's yeah, a lot, yeah. that's one of the things that we were talking about. Our Kickstarter, they were one of the original art, so yeah, we'll, yeah. Have to, we'll have to learn how to draw. I'm kidding. But, <laughs> um, you also offer one of your things was acrylic painting. Yeah, is that something you're known for, or yeah, because that's I think that went pretty well. So. Yeah, I got I got three of those out the door, and uh, well, not yet. I got to paint them. <laughs> <laughs> you sold three. But uh, yeah, you know um, that that goes back to uh, my my uh, at UMass. I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in painting degree, and uh, presumably I know how to paint. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, every time I make a painting, I mean I I love to paint, but uh, I'll say like I mean I'm a I'm a professional cartoonist. But I'm kind of a, uh, a little bit of a dilettante painter. But, you know, I'll tell you, I can get excited about it and knock off a pretty decent painting here and there. Are the paintings going to be the characters from the book or are they just going to be whatever you come up with? Yeah, you know, I I figured that they would probably be characters from the book. But in the, the three people who've gotten the paintings, um, each of them I had a little discussion with and they, you know, 
they they told me what they'd like and you know they you know it's stuff that dovetails with what i do and it's, it's perfect you know mm-hmm. and every once in a while i like uh this is interesting too i like doing uh pet paintings for people it's a real challenge because um it's a responsibility people love their pets you're gonna do yeah. a pet painting, man you better do something good and i've developed a technique for that that's a little bit it's not exactly photorealist but it is a way to uh you know, and I, there's variations on it, but I, I can act fairly accurately, like, nail a, that's kind of fun, you know, I, I, so I got one of those coming up, too, oh. that's, that's, that's to do. Um, so, I know you have a lot of different books out there, but do you have what do you think of as an ideal reader? Um, that's a good question. Uh, you know, um, I mean, I do, I guess, what you would call uh, art comics. By by what I mean is um, I'm just going to do what I want to do. And then, then once I'm done with it, then I have a marketing uh, problem to solve. And, uh, you know, there's been an, uh, I, the tradition I'm probably jumping off from is, uh, is underground comics. By the early in my career, I was inspired by those. And, you know, like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, well, there were, I guess, what was there when I started? I saw that Cerebus was there, and there was a couple other examples. But um, what I saw was that uh, Last Gas was still publishing. Fantagraphics started publishing. I had published a uh, collection of my college strips that I was able to sell out. Well, it was a run of 500. I was able to sell it out. I'm not, I get sidetracked. I, mean, I wanted to also throw in there that um, I think uh, since I grew up reading Marvels, you know, uh, Jack Kirby and Steve Ditko got to be figured in. But um, yeah, you know, I have to market once the product is done. So I know in business, you figure out a product, you, you identify a market, and then you sell to that market. Wholesale screen printing, fortunately, was good for that. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, so I'm going to do, you know, as as a professional, you know, you always want to do your best work. You want to represent yourself well. But um, yeah, the marketing to me is over time. You see what works and what doesn't, and I, I've seen both. You know. Interestingly, Kickstarter is really cool because you know I I sold a decent amount of books to Diamond last year with a, with a few different titles, um, you know, and there's there's some income coming in from that, and that's good. But still, uh, like if I sell, um, I probably got to sell hundreds of books through Diamond to make the same uh, you know financial sense that selling. 100 books does on Kickstarter. Right. Because, you know, there's no retailer and there's no distributor uh, getting getting their cut there. So uh, that's how the numbers work. The beauty of it is, you know, I can print enough books so that then I have, you know, some stock. And I don't know, works out pretty good. I was always, I just... But um, marketing, there's different hats different parts of, of it, you know. Um, with Kickstarter, social media, everyone thinks of and everyone works works at with their Kickstarters and it does pull. But um, 
I've known for a long time that email kind of old school marketing, but it pulls. If you have a list of people who know who you are and who bought from you before, that's that that email list is gold. Right. And uh, yeah, and I you know, and I went to um, uh, the um, oh my god, I'm forgetting Comic Book Pro. You know, I I went and uh, you know had a look at his uh, his course uh, because I wanted to get some good. Uh, uh, tried and true tips on building the email list and uh, went, went through his steps there on building your email list and uh, worked out pretty good. You know, I already had uh, a pretty decent list and I was able to expand it, um, you know, probably another 25% just in a few months uh, using the techniques he recommends. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's pretty cool right there. Writing that down, comic book pro. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Um, and I guess we've already asked if you've read Power Squared and I, you've seen our website, I guess. But yeah, yeah, I've gone through the website, you know, and again, you know, uh, I think you, the, the whole thing of the, the, the community college is really a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I also, I, I thought the uh, drawing and the character design in there was, was pretty, pretty slick too. You know, oh. you, whoever's doing that is doing some nice work. Yeah, well, we're happy with our... Uh current artist yeah she's been with us since issue five and we're working actually working on issue 20 at the moment so she's been with us for a while wow There's issue Holy six oh, yeah so, right yeah we just we're really slow to put them out but we're, we're making a lot of them <laughs> so, um all right so yeah. how would if how would people find you on the internet yeah well you know it's fairly easy just steve laffler.com uh so that that's that's uh how to find me. The trick about that is uh, the last name is L-A-F-L-E-R. And uh, because it's a slightly unusual name with a Google, but you know, give them a few tries, I'll get it. Okay. We'll, we'll <laughs> um, put that in the... Also, uh, you, know, um, you know, people can find me at Instagram and Facebook too. You know, I'm, I'm, doing, I'm trying to do enough social media there to kind of stay in touch with uh, friends and, and readers. And, um, you know, when I am, I, I, I did reconnect with Diamond last year and I shipped three books. Uh, I shipped uh, 1956 book one, Sweet Sweet Little Ramona, uh, Death Plays a Mean Harmonica, which is my graphic novel set in Oaxaca. It's kind of like, you know, my fictionalization of uh, living in Oaxaca. And I also reissued uh, the first uh, Bug House book, Bug House book one, the first of the trilogy. So yeah, three books to Diamond last year. So presumably people can go to an alternative or indie or underground friendly comic book shop and say, do you have a Bug House? Do you have this one? Do you have that one? Do you, know, do you carry Laffler's books? And they'll probably go, who? <laughs> 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 you know, if they're really old, if they're really old, they'll probably know who I am. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks again for being on the show. So, uh, I'm David. Thanks for Hank having me, you guys. It's right. nice to meet you and talk with you. Good. So, until next time, I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. And you've been on the air with Power Square. Uh -huh.